the good, the bad, the ugly. Welcome to Sustain Nutrition's podcast, Chewing the Fat, where Joe and James will be discussing all things good, bad and ugly regarding training and nutrition. So pull up your pants, put your best foot forward and get ready for some serious oral pleasure. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Joe and James. Sustain. Nutrition. Let's have a slurp of tea. Chewing. The fat. Podcast. Episode 170. Wow. Can you believe it? Can you Adam and Eve it? It's only taken us 22 years to get to 170 episodes, even though we release these allegedly once a week. This is the most consistent I am with any sustained content, though, to be fair, but it's only because you're making me do it. We have consistently apologised uh, every 10 episodes for leaving it so long between episodes. <laughs> like, uh, you know, it's you, Breaking Bad, or I, you can tell I don't watch much TV. Uh, what else is good on TV? I don't know. Avatar? How's <laughs> <laughs> um, Rainbow? Drop some of a really uh, old reference that you won't have ever watched. Fraggle Rock? Right, Joe. The people want to hear. They need to hear what we're talking about today. I think we're talking about my charity run. Oh, oh let's stroke Joe's ego again because he went for a jog. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So now you know, our, our longest our longest podcast ever. It's gonna be three hours. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be more painful than the hundred and eight miles that Joe ran in twenty-four hours. So that's what we're talking about. We're talking about Joe's backyard ultra, his experiences, I suppose. Well no, yeah, it'll just be your experiences, boy. Like what you I'm gonna say experienced again. <laughs> During those twenty-six hours, twenty-six grueling hours. Um to Joe, for people who don't know. Tell them what a backyard ultra is. So a backyard ultra is a 6.7 kilometer or 4.167 mile loop. And you got to run one every hour. So you, we started at 8 a.m. And you can run that as one guy did in 32 minutes. Or you can run it in 59 minutes. And then you've got to start the next one at 9 a.m., 10 a.m., 11 a.m., etc., etc. So you get to rest for the time that you're not running. And the idea is it works out as 100 miles a day. So it's every hour on the hour. You can't not do the full because a backyard sounds very friendly, doesn't it? <laughs> Whereas that most people's backyards are not over four miles long. So yeah, you have to do that. And if you don't do that within the hour, or you don't set off bang on the hour, you're out. Correct. Why or you don't finish the, you don't finish the loop because that them's the rules. It's just no, why, there, it's why there, did it's you do it, Joe? Why why would you do such oh, a horrendous thing? Because two reasons. The first one was selfish, was to push my mindset. And I figured it's something I've wanted to do for quite some time because I liked the sound of it. I knew it'd be something that would take me to a mental place that I hadn't been to before. And secondly was for charity. So for Rape Crisis, who support women in desperate need of help after sexual assault. Uh, it was a charity that I supported earlier this year, raised just shy of two grand. And I thought I'd like to try and get to the the £5,000 mark for the year. Brilliant. So, I mean, you're not from a running background as such, are you? You know, you're kind of sporty. You've gone through phases of 
rugby, boxing, intermittent bodybuilding, I suppose, kind of like building yeah. muscle and strength. When did... Yeah, I don't even really know. When you, you just kind of decided, like, right, I'm going to go do the Leeds Marathon. Yeah, so I mean, I've done the only. So I've done a tiny bits of running before. I did did a couple of park runs and then a couple of maybe like one or two ten k's. Did a half marathon a few years back when I did some rowing. Um, I did quite a bit of running when I boxed, and I found that I was kind of quite good at it then. But yeah, not really, not really necessarily what I'm built for, especially the super distance stuff. You know, I'm, I'm big and heavy, so it wasn't necessarily what I gravitated towards. Although, I guess my uh, my the size of my ankles and my wrists might suggest I might be built for running. I don't know. It's interesting stuff like that, isn't it? And I do like, I do find that stuff fascinating about what you built for and can you still do it and everything else. Um, but at the start of this year, I went to a CrossFit competition. This is where this kind of iteration of running came from. And there were a couple of people there supporting Christy. And one of them said, oh, we're doing this trail run. You should do it. And I was like, do you know what? I will do. And we met someone else. They said, oh, we're doing Leeds Marathon. You should do that. I was like, yeah, do you know what? I'll do that. And so I just decided in that moment that I was going to do a couple of runs for charity this year. And I didn't do the trail run for charity, but then the next day I went out and I did 10 miles. So having not done any running, I just went out and, and just kind of went for a gentle jog and kept going. And I think the thing that I want to get, one of the things I want to get across from this is that you mentioned about like my sporting background of rugby, boxing, rowing, bodybuilding, all every single one of those was harder work than the training for the ultra marathon. Every single one of them without failure. The average gym session was harder physically than and mentally than the training that I had to do for the running. If your body can can and the, the issue that people have with running is in their mind and their physical body can't deal with the load. They just they break. So if you can not break, and that's quite an <laughs> That's a relatively simple task in and of itself. You just get strong enough. You practice. You build it up. You might get someone to look at your gait. Then it's not that hard. It just takes ages. You know, I just the biggest sacrifice I had to make was from a time perspective of just like getting outside and running. So yeah, long story short, somebody suggested doing running, and I signed up for two uh, two races. And then once I kind of decided I was going to do the marathon for charity i thought well i'll look and see if there's any backyard ultras i heard about it five years ago my, maybe even longer my brother had mentioned it and i thought i'd like to do one of those one day and i saw one was in november and then after leeds marathon i didn't, I didn't really run for like eight weeks because i was just knackered had a lot of other stuff on and i kind of sacked the idea off and we did um me and chrissy my girlfriend did the great north run about two months ago a bit left a bit more than two months ago and after that i did 13 miles and my body wasn't tired, felt really good. And I was like, I can do this. I can do that backyard ultra. And so I signed up for it. I was like the 51st person on a 65 people list. It sold out. So I only, you know, decided at kind of eight weeks notice that I was going to do it. Uh, and so, yeah, that, that was, that was me decided. I didn't ran like 40 miles the next week, really slowly spoke to a lady who's done some coaching with me and she kind of, showed me the error of my ways a little bit that I was being um, naive, optimistically arrogant might be another way of looking at it. And that I should, get, you know, I then realized I need to get a coach. So I got two coaches. I got a nutrition coach. I got a nutritionist, sports nutritionist, and I got a coach. And yeah, that was it. Off I went two months ago from now. And if anyone should know the value of coaching, Joe, 
It really should be. <laughs> I, appreciate, I appreciate the irony in that uh, in that story, but I did it. You know, I got there in the. I had like ten days of not having a coach, and I was like, "This is nuts!" Like, you want to do a good job at this, you want money from people, then you're going to have to put a good effort in, and you need to get some help. Well, here's, a, here's a question for you then, which I think is very loaded. Probably both already know the answer. Like, do you think you'd have done as well as you did, or do you think you'd have made it if you hadn't have had a coach? No way, absolutely not. Maybe. Maybe physically, because I don't know. But the nutrition stuff, even as a nutrition coach, there were so many things, so many nuances that I didn't know about that I saw fail other people when we were there. So there was one lad who I was running with. He was a really nice lad. And he was like, I was like, how much are you drinking? And he's like, oh, drink one bottle in between laps. So you're not coming out with any water. It's like, no, no. And he said, how much are you drinking? I said, I'm drinking 750 mils. So I had a certain amount to drink when I was running and a certain amount to drink when I was resting. And he tried to then drink a bit more. And he's like, I'm pissing twice every lap. And I was like, well, yeah, it's because you're trying to drink more and your body's not used to it now. You know, and that was one of the things that my coach, my nutritionist had said to me was, there's a couple of times I had like a litre of liquid within an hour of going out for a run so that my body would be used to having liquid in my stomach. And it's just stuff you'd never think about. And, you know, I've run 20 miles before I'm not to drink. And you don't have to. But if you're going to run 100 miles, you're going to have to have a drink at some point, And you're going to have to have a lot to drink at some point. I think my coach worked out I had 17 litres over 24 hours, in excess of 17 litres in 24 hours. So if you've not practised with that, that's what's going to get you. And I remember seeing there's a Facebook group of people and somebody saying that like the roof of his mouth really hurt. And apparently that's a sign of like chronic dehydration. And it's like, I did a sweat test where I weighed myself before and after a run and I was losing. I think we did it three times and I lost between 800 grams and 1.1 kilos an hour in water. I remember watching a documentary on James Cracknell once, who's a very similar build to me, international level rower. So slightly fitter than I am. Better and looking. he was just better looking, more successful. We had loads more money. Uh, we won't go through anymore and he was just sweating and sweating and sweating and when he did a desert run they said to him you cannot carry as much water as you need to drink so it's in the back of my mind about that and so when my coach said to me you know this is that's and we did all the stuff you're like oh my god if I'm losing 800 I'm losing two to three pounds an hour from water like how long can you hold that for you can't hold that for very long at all so it was you know and him saying well if you have electrolytes then there's salt in them and that'll make you drink more. Perfect. You know, that makes perfect sense. And I just would not have thought of those things. I would not have had the level of detail that was needed to have been successful. Absolutely not. And, and that is, well, I mean, on a very, very minor scale, isn't it? Like, I think stuff like fitness, training, whatever, is so much. You see so many people winging it. You know, you go to the gym and you see people just making it up. I'll just pick this up and I'll do some of these. I know that's not very good for a podcast, is it? I'll do some of that and I'll do a bit of that. And I've seen that guy doing that. He's got good arms. I'll, I'll copy what he's doing. And then I'll, I saw this on a, on Instagram. I'll do this and do that, which might get some results. You know, like you said, you know, you could go out and it's very accessible, isn't it? You can go out and you can run. You can do couch to 5K. You could Google, okay, marathon training or whatever. But it's those tiny little nuances or those tiny little insights from these experts that just go, this is the path that you need to take. Like you said, you know, that guy who's not drinking water and then tries to drink water and then it's like, holy shit, 
this feels weird. It's like right. it, it makes you so much more likely to be successful having someone who has guided someone through that pathway hundreds and hundreds of times before and can pick up on these mistakes. Like if you're like, and he's like, how much water are you drinking on a on a run? You're like, oh, nothing. I did 20 miles, didn't drink anything. Came back like, right, well, you need to stop doing that because when it comes to the backyard, you're going to be screwed like that other guy. So, yeah, it's these little, well, not even tricks, are they? It's just like methods that make a lot of difference. It's opening your eyes up to problems. Like, and there were things that went wrong during my run that I would, that now I would know how to do differently. And by paying for a coach, they give you some of that early. And I think one of the one of the things that we are both good at that served us running sustain and served me with running is we listen. Like when I spoke about the my day, my nutrition planning for the day, they said you need to have some food that's just shit. That's just whatever you fancy. Like when you are desperate, there'll be times when you will not want to eat. And I was like, I can eat anything at any point. And actually, I didn't, ironically, I didn't need to. I ate the same things on a four-hour loop for 26 hours. But I had had some brownies there. I had some other stuff there that was just like my dream food because and because they said it. You know, they said, you need to you need to do this. And it's, you know, you see this, we see this a lot where you make suggestions to people and they're certain they're right. And then they're not, you know. And it's, you have to be, even when you're certain that you're right, you need to be willing to listen. And I think that's, one of the things that I have done quite well with this stuff. And it's just constantly looking for improvements too, you know, that there's always going to, sorry, it's, it's being willing to listen to the signals because it's like a good example is I was having an electrolyte tablet every hour and I needed more water. And it, actually some of it was having support there. I, you know, I, I reached out, I was running and I messaged my nutritionist and said, I'm going through more water. And I thought, someone said to drink less what do you think because he was what was someone who was in my crew was worried i was overhydrating, and i was like i'm telling you i'm thirsty i was like do not put less i said to chrissy like do not put less water in my bottle i am thirsty like i know what being thirsty feels like and he said right drop your electrolytes for a couple of hours and just have water he was like don't worry you're getting enough salt because my worry was if i take the electrolytes out i don't want to get cramp so you know just having that expert advice to lean on and somebody to guide you in that moment of need and then what happened i took the electrolytes out i kind of flushed the salt through my system and i was back drinking normal amounts and then he said right go back to half a tablet an hour perfect you know having that kind of expert guidance and noticing these things and being willing to listen was just so important which is interesting because i would have thought the opposite for anyone who's not so much in the electrolytes will help shuttle the water into your system, whereas normally, I think the the rule of thumb is like if you have just normal tap water, you need to drink like one point six times the amount of like mineral water to be as hydrated. Hopefully, that makes sense. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because, because of the, the minerals help shuttle, and that's why some people will put a bit of salt into their their water to help it. So yeah, but again, I'm not a hydration expert. Neither am I. It turns out. And, that, and that's what you gain. So, what what are the? I suppose this this will be the, the big chunk of it. Like, what lessons did you learn then? Whilst obviously to listen to your coach, that's the first one to get a coach, to listen to a coach. But what did you learn about yourself on that run, other than your constant back and forth with your ego? 
Yeah, that was that was a big one. I think I learned that my mindset is very strong, but there's still room to grow. I think I thought it was going to take me further. Um, it was so interesting. I've done a podcast with my mindset coach about this as well, which we'll make available too because you know we're, we're nice guys. Um, so we're kind of going into deeper guidance there, and I kind of want to cover some of the stuff that I didn't cover in there. I guess the, the big learning on that was that you know your my mind did give out. There was a point in time when I couldn't control it. You know, it was kind of around hour twenty-two. It's been the the the, the moment for me was when the tiredness and the lack of energy and those pieces were, it was feeding me thoughts and I didn't know how to manage it or I knew how to manage it, but I stopped using the process that I had. And so I think next time I go into that, I'll be more prepared for that because I'll know what's going to happen. And so for example, earlier in the day, I'd be like, Oh man, you've got 80, 80 miles to go to get to hundred. And I was like, Nope. I recognize that's my ego. Just trying to freak me out. I'm going to just focus on my breath. I'm going to focus on my 100 strides. So I did this thing where I'd count the 100 strides and I'd walk and I'd focus on my breath. And I just rinsed and repeated that for about 20 hours. The problem that I had was that later on into the night or early into the next morning was that I didn't keep doing that. And it's really easy to look at that and say, well, it's because you were tired. It's because you were sore. It's because of those other things. But I always come back to like, there was a monk in the 70s or the late 60s who set himself on fire in vietnam and didn't move like you can train yourself to manage these things and so yes i can be more hardy for the running but there's there's always a biological and a psychological side and the psychological side will get you further than the, or you know they have to work together and so i have to accept there's always going to be a point in these runs when my mind is like screaming at me and if i can catch it and I can do the right things, and I'll last longer. Then there's the physical side as well, is that I've not, you know, the furthest I'd run before this was 26 miles. So to clock up 108, you know, I'll never be able to jump that big again unless I go and do the Moab 240. You know, that's going to be the, the most, the, the big single biggest increase I can have. So I need to, you know, the, the more my body gets used to that, there's that two sides of it. The, the, the stronger my body is physically, the less I'll have to deal with mentally. End of, end of story. But the stronger I get mentally, the further I can go. You know, the number of people who were ahead of me or people who looked fine, who just disappeared after a lap. There's a lady who was running with me and at 4 a.m. she was like, what time does the sun come up? I said, oh, I don't know. And she said, oh, I did this. I did a race like this earlier in the year. And when the sun came up, I felt loads better and I kept going. And she was fit. You know, she was ahead of me. She was faster. She looked she looked good. And so she had tangible proof that in a couple of hours, like she knew she was going to feel better. She knew she was going to come out the other side. She was fitter than me. And that was her last lap. Because either she got injured or more likely, like most people, she couldn't get rid of that thought in her head. And she then buckled early or what I would class as buckling early, you know. And so it's, yeah, the, the, what are my big learnings? To, to be physically more hardy. And actually, I'm already kind of in the process of doing some really cool stuff on that front. And then there's also that I can grow psychologically and that there's going to be this point when the skills that I use work, but I really need to double down on them. You know, I really need to, to catch it and to put them into play. 
think you need to be a bit kinder to yourself as well, Joe. Like say, my, my mind broke. Yeah, uh, fucking 108 miles after, <laughs> after 26 uh, hours of running. I, I suppose we didn't really touch on that. So you're... When I came and saw you for a few hours, oh, yeah, speaking of food, I definitely saw you inhaling a few crisp sandwiches. It was like <laughs> it was like one of the parties that I see Magnus go to when he says like a plate full of crisps, two pieces of cucumber, pizza, you know, five biscuits, and an ice cream. Um, yeah, like an epic cheat day, but you definitely burnt a few calories. I think you did like two hundred thousand steps or something, didn't you? Yeah, so it was um, it was quite funny because like mid uh, like I got in at 11.50 and I said to my brother who was crewing for me, I was like, how many steps are on that watch? And he was like, 19,000. I was like, what the fuck? 19? And he's like, oh no, 119,000. And then the next day I did 75. So I did, I think I did 194,000 steps over the two days, which is like a whole week of doing 30,000 a day, (laughs) which is just obscene, isn't it? It's it's nuts. Like, no wonder my body broke. But, yeah, so you're like, your laps was just over 50 minutes, weren't you? So you had like eight or nine minutes between runs to like drink, drink some Coke with something in it. I don't know whatever your magic formula was it looked like. And then eat something and then get your legs rubbed for for a little bit and then be right, back yeah. out again. I had 50, 50 minutes to start with and then 52 towards the end. The last one I did was 55 and a half. That was the one when I would have liked to have gone out again, but I was, uh, I was, I was, I was cooked then. I was done. How did, you, how did you find that like kind of like short rest period? I know we had like a quick chat where you said like minutes never felt longer. But yeah, how did you find that? Because I, I feel that would be where I struggle if I like I just got back and it's like I've got seven minutes and I've got to do that all again. And then I'll have seven minutes and I've got to do that all again. Like how did you find that? I think I'd, I had a full acceptance that I was just going to go and go and go. You know, so it wasn't it, it didn't bother me. Yeah, I think, you know, as you just, as you mentioned there, like I've never had a minute feel like so long in my entire life. Like there were points when I was lying on the bed, like in the night, so it wasn't, I wasn't even getting a massage or anything nice. And I'd say to my brother, how long have I got? He's like 90 seconds. And I was like, that is amazing. I was like, that is so good. I'm so happy. I've got 90 seconds more. And I think that's, that, you know, the fact that I think like that without trying, you know, and, and anyone I've worked with will, will know about, or may well know about my belief in positivity and gratitude and all those things. Like I really felt like in that looking back on it now as well, that that was it paying dividends. Well, I didn't think oh, I've only got 90 seconds left was like, Oh, I've got 90 seconds to enjoy. And like when you, I think I was moving for like 22 and a half hours out of the 26. So when you get 60 seconds on a bed, you're like, this is amazing. This is so nice. It's so nice to have my feet off the floor. You know, there was never a point where I thought I'm not. I don't. It wasn't. I didn't even think I don't want to go out again. I think, I, and that was one of the things that worked really well for me was that I, when people said, "How far do you want to go?" I said, "Until my body gives in." And so, I, and the the mistake that I made that I wouldn't make again was when I got to 22 hours. I was like, when I had a, I was just, I was just on the edge there. That was when I came. I came back. And I just said to my brother, I was like, I'm teetering. I was like, I'm absolutely like on the edge of just my mind going here. I just can't do it. And I had a little like weep on Chrissy's shoulders. I was like, I'm just, it's just so hard. Because, you know, it's overwhelming at that point. Like I, I would have bet money before. I was like, I better cry in the next 24 hours. I I could, I sensed it was, I was going to get to that point. 
And um, sorry, what was the question again? I've got a bit lost. Well, okay, yeah. How, how did you find having the the, the short short breaks, and then we've got on to talk about yeah. mindset? Yeah. So um, the, the, short, the short the short the short breaks were, were fine, to be honest. And actually, what you have to do, the guy a guy that did better than me, he had less rest. He had like five to eight minutes rest repeatedly. And in order for your body to cope, you have to sacrifice that nice feeling on the bed. And so next time, that's what I'll give up, is I will give up that nice 60 seconds or that nice four or five minutes, which I was getting on the bed, in order to make it easier for my legs. You've got, and you've got to then, yeah, I'll go slower. And you've got to deal with that pressure of like, I'm at the back and am I going to get round in time? You've got to have that faith that you will. And what that gives you then is less pressure on your legs. So I will sacrifice that nice, oh my God, it was heaven. You know, I might have a couple of laps, so I do it a bit when I'm really struggling, when I go a little bit faster to give me that. But my my baseline speed will go down, go up, hmm. speed down, yeah. yeah. Which, yeah, is, which yeah. is really interesting, because like you said, it, it's, it, you really are running your own race. You know, that that's what I liked about it. Like, it didn't matter whether you came in first or whether you came in fourth or fifth or 60th or whatever. It was last man standing, person, last person standing, I should say. And like you say, you you've got to you got to run your own race, and that's when I kind of mentioned about like your ego, because there's going to be that bit like like ha, I've taken that person over, or oh god, you know my ego's taking a hit because this person's taken me over, or this person's got back before me, or whatever. And and it's it must be that a constant game of just checking yourself, shut up, do do the work, you know what I mean, and. Yeah, and even you're know, looking at the, the the tiny mindset piece there that you said about kind of like reframing of you've got two ways of looking. You've got 90 seconds left. You've got two ways of looking like shit. I've only got 90 seconds left versus thank God I've got 90 seconds left. It's the same amount of time. And you're probably in the same amount of discomfort or pain, but how you the 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 thought that goes through your head there is going to completely revolutionize how you frame that like oh my god i've only got 90 seconds left this is terrible versus oh my god i've got 90 seconds left this is amazing and and, and it's something that people struggle with isn't that a positive reframe like, it's like what is it where your attention goes your energy flows so if you're constantly like oh my god i've only got five minutes left versus jesus christ i've got five minutes left it's you know, a completely different feeling in your body. It's a completely different thought pattern. And it's, I know it is very simple for us to say it like that. Like, oh, you just got to do a positive reframe. But it's such a great skill to develop. And I say develop oh, because you have to practice it. A hundred percent. I was thinking that as you're saying it, like I'm so lucky that that has been like baked into my upbringing in my life. So now, I don't know if I've told you the story before, but growing up, that was always the thing. I did. If I complained to my mum was, you should be grateful that you've got food in the fridge, fresh running water, flushing the toilet, roof over your head, money in your pocket, that you woke up in a hospital in my arms, you know, not in a mud hut in Africa. I can reel it off because I remember it being said. And I get kind of angsty when people are like, oh, well, that's toxic positivity. And show what, there are times when actually a different approach might have been beneficial. But I'll tell you what, if I look at most people, even just in that race, let alone most people in the world, it serves me well day to day. And yes, there's a subtle refinement that could make that better with regards to like letting somebody have a bit of a moan and, and letting someone feel those negative emotions. But for the most part, it's a really, really useful skill to have. And like you said, it's it's not a it's it's a skill that can be other people will have to learn. 
and it's it's a skill that I have that I've been given, you know, that's been forced upon me and I'm not going to let go of because in those sorts, in not even just in those instances, like all the time, it's really useful. And the, and the problem that I had in the, you know, lap 22 was I was lost in the pain and I was lost in all the negatives. And that's what I mean about there's still room to grow. Is it like, and that's what I, one of the, the one of the notes that I, I wrote myself was like search for hurt. Like the more pain that you go through, the more you grow. The further I can get into that discomfort, the more my mindset's going to change. And I'll be interested to see how like the next ones go, like whether I can go because I know I'll be able to go further physically because I'll do the training. But can I go any further mentally? You know, I would see that as that would probably be the bigger win for me. Would be if I can if I can be in those levels of pain and dig out another couple of laps. You know. It's bloody hard. I thought it was going to be one of the big, another interesting learning was I thought that like, I looked at it and said, if I get back in and there's time on the clock, then I will go. I'll run again. So it's a really really easy scenario that you walk in, you look at the time, you make a decision based on the time. You're looking at it completely rationally and not looking at the emotions. What I completely forgot was that for hours and hours before that, I was going to have my voice in my head being like, we need to stop. This is so hard. You know, endless, endless, you know, and I had that for hours, like four hours was the point when it was was really hard. There were points in that when it was all right and points when it was worse. But then when you get to that question of do you want to go again? Or and the mistake that I'd made was when I got to hour twenty-two, I was like, just get to twenty-four. I got to twenty-four and I was like, right, when you do twenty-five, that'll be four marathons. And then I saw Jamie Peacock and that helped me do it. And I did another one. So by that point, then I, you know, I set those goals, 24, 25, 26, I'd hit those targets. And that was then enough for me to be like, that's good enough. Whereas actually, if I go into it and say, right, I want to get 30 or 35 and really try and hold on to that number. Because I had said that before, when I, as daft as it sounded, I had said, I want to do 48. I was like, set a number that's so big, you can't possibly reach it. And then I just let go of it because, you know, one of the things that if you ever heard that before about one of the, the most kind of willpower crushing things you can do is give someone a target and move it. So they do it a lot in like the SAS training of like, right, you've got to run for the next 20 minutes, run as fast as you can to get back. And they're like, right, again, but this time it's going to be, it's going to finish in 15 minutes. And then they, you know, and then they, and then they just keep moving those goalposts because it just drinks people's like zest i suppose it drinks your willpower drinks your resilience and so it's right how do you get around that and not setting targets is is a way of doing that and i and i fell into that trap of of you at 22 just get to 24 because at that moment into and the mis, and in, i guess the mistake i made thinking thinking through it now was i should have just stayed present i should have just said you know back to my thing at the start can you take 100 strides yeah can always take you're not got to take 100 strides quickly you know four miles an hour is pretty steady and if i just been able to stay in the moment then because uh, as i've said i've going to change my mind on what i said if you said to someone at mile 22 you've got to get to 48 then they'll quit i would have quit if someone had said to me it's 48 or, or nothing i'd have gone around and done whereas if you said to me can you take 10 more strides yeah yeah mm. i could do that and so that's what i need to i need to get better doing is like just that keeping your mind in the moment which i did really well early on you know when i thought oh god you've got 80 miles to go how are you gonna no, no we're not going down that path i can i can hear what you do in ego we're not we're not going there 
we're just going to focus on these strides. And then you can just plot them out. You just, you know, you just set off two, four, six, eight, ten. Because one of the things I noticed really, really easily was when you start the like start the loop again, you get to one k really easily. You know, thousand meters is not that far. And then you're like, well, I've only got another five to do now. If I just keep plodding out at this pace, you know, and again, that positive mindset really plays in because I'm like, I'm nearly there. Because you could easily look at that and go, you've done one k, you've got six to go. You know, that's ages. That's really hard. You can't do blah, 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 blah. You know, that's and that's the, the the master skill. That's what I'm chasing after here. It's not about the miles and the numbers. It's about that. That's kind of the crystallization for me of what I, I want. And I think that the better I get at that, the more I, and, you know, stories like this, that could help our clients who hear that and they might look at what they're doing and be able to do things differently. And that's, that's where I see it being of use for me. I think there's, there's tons of uh, relatable points in there. I think with the, the SES stuff, yeah, they, they go checkpoint to checkpoint, but they don't tell them when the last one is. So just get yeah. to a checkpoint, they go, right, there's your coordinates, next checkpoint, and they just keep on going, and then they never know when it's going to finish. So like I said, it kind of it breaks because you're just tired and you're cold and you're wet and you're hungry, and then it's like, oh, no, another, is this the last one? Is this the last one? And that is, like you said, I, I obviously I'm, I'm not doing a backyard ultra, but I notice this with my training. If I'm like, right, um, doing bent over rows or I'm bench pressing or whatever, it's like, I want to get eight. Odds are I'm going to get eight, but I'm not going to get nine or 10 or 11 or it's just like eight, you know, either I was a perfect guess, which, you know, I can make an educated guess or I've hit eight and I've got my body's gone. Yep. You've, you've achieved your target, which sounds like you might have kind of fallen into that trap of doing it like, right. Do 24. No, no, do 25. Now do 26. And then it's like, right, that's it. Mike, you know, I'm done from a psychological thing. But I think for me, picking up on that, like you had a very clear process at the start, which was working really well. And I see this a lot with our clients, isn't it? You have this, I'm planning my meals and I'm scheduling my high calorie food and I'm doing my shop and I'm making sure I've got my snacks in and I'm doing this and I'm, you know, doing my affirmations and I'm keeping myself present and blah, blah, blah. Right at the start, it's working really well. And then three months later, they're like, I feel like I've lost my mojo. What's changed? I'm not doing any of that stuff. I'm not doing, you know, 100 steps with my eyes closed and, and doing this and doing that. Like, we need to get back to doing that. But then also, I couldn't totally understand why that fell off because, you know, both physically and mentally, you're drained. You know, you're tired. You're hungry. You've done whatever, 80 miles. You've been awake for 20 hours. It makes, you know, rational thought a lot harder, doesn't it? You know, we see, you know, tiredness kills. Take a break. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so, yeah, it's certainly not the perfect environment, but I think the the lessons for me there, for, for people listening, again, not about running at backyard ultras, you lunatic, but it's focus on the process because when all shit's going on and you've got loads of stuff going on, you focus on... It sounds really cheesy, isn't it? That next step. Can you take 10 more steps? Can you plan your meals? Can you write down what you've eaten? Could you have a glass of water with your food? Could you go, right, I've got five chocolate bars in. That's my week's supply. You know, whatever it is, what what can you do? What's the process that was working for you right at the start? Do you need to dial it back? You know, so I imagine the first few laps, you just jogged it around, no dramas. Fine. This is easy. I've got, you know, when I saw you, you know, and you've been going, what time did I come? 
think I came about like two o'clock or something like that. You know, I've never seen you smiling so much, Joe. You were getting rubbed by two young ladies, <laughs> legs massaged, and I saw your coach change your socks for you. <laughs> <laughs> so you're probably absolutely in your element. But like that's when you know that's almost like the start of a fat loss journey, isn't it? When it's all easy and it's all fresh and new and and lovely, and it's okay. Focus on the process, and that was my kind of concern for you. Is like this is great now. You know, you've got eight people around your tent clapping every time you come back and talking to you and fist bumping you, and you get your legs rubbed. Like, what's going to happen at two o'clock in the morning when it's raining and it's cold and there's just your brother there, my favorite Robinson. You know what I mean? And he's not going to rub your legs. And, you know, you've got all this stuff going on. Like, what's what's that going to look like? Like, that that's what we need to get ready for. And if you'd have kept that process going, you know, would that have made it easier? But it's like I said, it's very easy to let those things slip because you're tired, because you're hungry, because, you know, you're in pain, because there's all these outside stresses going on, because you're alone in your thoughts as well. And it's so easy to look at those things and it's so easy to go, well, it's because you're in pain, it's because you are tired. And it's like, but that's not where the solution, like that's only where half the solution lies. Half the solution lies in dealing with those things to the half relies on your focus. And I think you said there with the, the fat loss stuff of like, there's a process here and it's like, log your food, do your steps, drink your water, do your affirmations. And it's like, but what gives you the biggest bang for your buck? And it's like, plan your food. We, we know this, that if people plan their food, everything gets easier. You can sack the rest of the things off and you just won't reverse backwards. And I think it was the same thing for me is there's loads of different things that I could do, but just counting my steps, just taking, doing something that forces my mind in the present moment and doesn't look at the all the other things that are going on around it. And, you know, this, like I, you said, like, oh, I, was, I was looking really good earlier on. So I felt really good. And that's when I felt the best was when I was really tuned in to those those numbers, that counting and the breathing. And I just felt absolutely great. And actually, you know, I did get through the night okay. But yeah, there's definitely ways I could have improved it. And that would be that pinch point, that 6 a.m. That from that point onwards, you know, that was when I really, really needed more of that mindset stuff. And, you know, it's like, how do you make it easier? And I said to someone today that food planning in and of itself doesn't make fat loss easier. But what it does is it means you have fewer thoughts. So then you don't, you know, you think, oh, I'm hungry. What is there? Oh, I've got food downstairs. Your brain gives you that answer because it is there. Whereas if you then got to make that decision, well, then it's hard work, isn't it? That's when you're you're really you're really struggling. So that's a, a groove that you can get into, you know. And I I made steps to getting into. I'm aware of it. There's just levels to it that I can I can go further with, and you know, I look forward to to being at that place because it'll be it'll be an achievement when it's when it's there you know yeah you know i always talk about you, you each of these steps removes wiggle room for error mm. so if you plan your food you've removed wiggle room for error because you've got that decision fatigue you know you're not going to the supermarket at six o'clock with two tired hungry kids trying to figure out what they're going to eat, what's the, the most friction-free meal. And you're not cold and you're wet and you've had a stressful day and you're hungry as well. You know, you're opening up a massive room for for messing up, just like if you'd have turned up for that run with like two litres of iron brew, you know, and a pair of plimsolls. You, you, you're making it so much harder for yourself already. And then, you know, the next step would be like, well, you've got your food plan and you've got the food in. It's already in the house. Brilliant. 
less wiggle room for her because then you're not going like, all right, it's, it's salmon, potatoes, and broccoli. When you go to the supermarket, there's still room for me to be tired and hungry and kids moaning and, oh, sod it, let's just grab, you know, pizza or whatever. Then you've got, maybe you've got some food preps. Maybe you had the slow cooker on. Maybe you batch cooked. Less wiggle room for error. Oh, I really want something to eat. Right, well, I've got, you know, these 25 gram bars of chocolate. Right, cool. That's, you know, it's just tightening up. Like you said, the, the base level of the, the bottom of the pyramid would be, can you plan your meals? I, I, I understand people are busy. I'm busy. You're busy. People are busy. But... And this might upset some people. Does it really take that long to plan your meals? And I appreciate, you know, you might have to consider what your partner will eat or your kids are going to eat as well. But you've probably got a very good idea of what they eat and what you want to eat and what's going to be easy to cook and what your week looks like. The more you do it, the easier it gets, you know, or you look for an alternative. And all of those obstacles there, it's just thinking. It's just more thought that gets in your way that stops you doing it. And that's exactly what I had. You know, it was just more thought about the problems rather than just looking at the solution, which was do the big thing, focus on what's going on right now. And it's, I think it's almost counterintuitive to be like, so you've run 108 miles with the help of a nutritionist and a coach and you're saying the most important thing is mindfulness. Like, no, because you, there has to be a physical element, a base to it. It has to be the food that I eat and the steps that I take. But then there are a lot of people who, well, there probably wasn't anybody who was better prepared nutritionally than me. There are a lot of people who, a lot of people who are better prepared physically than me. But, but that's what undid them. You know, that was the difference between however many miles they did and however many miles I did. You know, and actually, the difference between me and the other people is probably a physical one. You know, the guy, the guy that uh, one of the gentlemen, you know. I think everyone who's in the final six, so after I dropped out, had all done multiple backyard ultras. They all kind of knew each other because the guy that won it wrote a blog about it and said that he recognised everybody there. The guy, the, you know, the lady that beat me, she's she's done five backyard ultras. The guy that, the couple that were there, they'd done, they both won ones respectively. The guy that, another guy had won a couple, you know, so I was in good company. In fact, everybody there, I can think, I know how many ones they've done and they've all done at least, you know, the, the couple had done two and everyone else had done at least five. So it's like, okay, so they've already had a chance to, to learn more lessons than I have. They have, you talk about that 10,000 hours of practice, they have put in more time than me. And so it's very easy for me to look at that and say, well, you know, other people have built for it better or whatever. Like they have put more time in. They have put in more effort than I have at this moment in time. So now it's like, how do I close that gap? How do I, you know, I, and I save time by paying a coach and now I'm going to find a different coach. You know, interestingly, the, a friend of mine, so we talk about the, the girls doing massage, as a friend of mine who's a sports therapy lecturer. And so I asked him and said, do your students need to do massage? Do they, sorry, do they need to do uh, experience work? Can I work experience? He was like, yeah, absolutely. Now, anybody could have messaged Leeds Beckett and done that. And they would have, they would have provided students if you'd asked. And I know that I've obviously got a link there and that really helps it and makes it easier. But there are solutions that you never think of. And then speaking to him, he said, oh, at Leeds Beckett, we've got this um, this track that will measure your force performance per leg. And it will look at whether you're pushing off through your toes or through your heels or through the outside or the inside of your foot. And they'll record you running and they'll look at your gait. And I was like, right, well, my right leg is loads sore than my left leg. 
So I'm going to pay whoever does that. And then they can tell me what's going wrong. And then they can give me some stuff to go back to with my coach. And like my coach, I said to my coach, I want you to think about my legs being sore. Are you just not used to it? And I said, okay, I agree with that. But in the same breath, if I paid 100 quid for a gait analysis, 50 quid, 100 quid, 150, whatever it costs, so not an astronomical amount of money, enough, an, an amount of money I'd be willing to put into getting better at this. And I went there, and the only thing they said was, you just need to do more running. I'd be like, I'll have my money back. Because they that's not true. They're never going to say that. They have a level of expertise that means they will pick up minor details that I would never be able to. And so it's all well and good people saying, oh, yeah, you just need to do it more. Absolutely. But why not find those areas of expertise? Why not? Like the biggest issue that I had was my legs being in pain. So why would I not spend some money and find someone who can help with that? Because that's then going to give me a big jump forward rather than just trusting and hoping that it's going to be okay. What if it's not? What if I go and do a 50-mile racing prep and then I do another backyard ultra in six months' time and I get the same results? then more for me for not spending 100 quid speaking to an expert or 200 or whatever it is. You know, I'm obviously not going to spend an endless amount of money, but this is important to me and I'll invest in that. And I think so often people get caught up in a, this is good enough. Interestingly, the lady who beat me, there were two ladies that beat me. I met her when I was out doing the course and I said to her, have you, like weeks before, and I said to her, have you got a coach? And she said, no, she said, um, I realized that I'd never really tried on my own. And so I wanted to do that first. And I was like, I absolutely get that. And I see that with a lot of potential people with sustain. We say, do you know what? I want to do it on my own. And I understand that there is more pride to be had by doing something on your own than there is with a coach. That is a fact. But what's the most important thing? Is it more important to do really well and to get a big time? Or is it more important to do it on your own? Because she posted up her five backyard ultra distances. And there's something like, making it up as I go here, 10, 14, 18, 25, 27. And that's over the course of four years. Mine says 26. You know, straight out the gate, I hit 26. So success leaves clues. You know, and you look at that and you go, okay, so there's something in this. I've, I've outperformed most people on my first go. Could be luck, could be genetics. But there's also would suggest that having a coach has really helped. So why not have another one? Why not find a different, you know, I'm, it's not like I'm going to have three coaches. You know, I'm having a period of time working with one person to fix one problem. And then I'll go back to those big things, the running coach and the nutrition. But in between that, I'm going to work on some injury prevention stuff. And it's just having that willingness to look at problems and be willing to pay for advice. And you know what? Maybe I'll never be as good as that lady. I don't know. But I believe in order to give myself the best chance possible of, of getting more distance, that I found my big issue. You know, I've been icing my feet as we've been going here because I've got sore ankles. But I've, you know, I found a problem. So work on it. You know, don't just hope it goes away. Don't bank on crap advice, which, which, you know, I'm not saying my coach's advice is crap. He might be right. But for the sake of a small investment, to me, it is an absolute no brainer to, to look into it, you know, and to and to find these people who know more, you know, like my my friend from Leeds Beckett who said about this treadmill. Absolutely, I'll give that a go. Might waste money, probably won't. From odds on, it'll really help. But it's just that willingness to take that risk. And I think so often people have these stories in their head of like, I want to do it on my own. I don't want to lose this money. It's called. But what's going to happen off the back of that? Odds on, you're not going to get what you want would be my 
personal and professional experience with those things. Or it's going to take five times longer. Because yeah, absolutely. I don't want to be doing this in five years' time. Well, yeah, I mean, like you said, if, if you'd have gone in there coachless and you'd have kind of winged your own training program and go, ah, I know what I'm doing, just run it, you know, where would you have got to? And it might be like, lady, you might have done 10 hours. And then the next one, you're like, all right, I've learned from this. I need to take on more water. And then the next one, you get 15 hours. And then you go, all right, this, I start cramping up. So I need to use electrolytes. You know, you've got that. Whereas you've took that shortcut, again, which is not a negative thing, by going, someone going, I've worked with these people. This is what you need to do. And then you, your coach has gone, right, now it's time to back off on your runs or do this or do that. You know, you, you've shortened that learning experience for you by speaking to experts. Count one is, is like three questions, isn't there? Like if you don't know something, it's like, what do I need to learn? Who do I need to speak to? Or what do I need to read? Or something like that. It, it, that's the kind of like solutions to to all knowledge. Like who do I need to speak to? Or who who can tell me the, the right answers? And that's what you've gone straight to. Which again, he's it's not really it's really easy as well because uh, you know I said about the lad who didn't drink enough water. He was uh, his early twenties, really good looking lad actually. You know, and he'd been out on like lots of fell walks. He's like, oh, I've done fifty miles a day before, and he did fifteen loops. So he did sixty miles. You know, and you could really easily look at that and say that's really good going, and it is really good going. I'm not saying that it's not. What I am saying is that I put an extra fifty miles on that. You know, I did an extra eleven loops than, than he did, and it's like, where's he going to go now? Is he going to do what you just said? Like he said, oh, I've got a cramp, so I'll have some electrolytes. Or is he going to, like, I chunk learned, didn't I? You know, I had, by my nutritionist, I figured out my water. I figured out my food. I figured out some of the training. I figured out some of the mindset. I did a bit of what I could with regards to the strength training. But now there's a really big, obvious obstacle. You know, I've narrowed it down now. Right, that's the thing. That's my big weak spot. That's my weakest link. So put more time in there. And people often are so good at patting themselves on the back that then they miss these chance for these big chunk learnings. You know, actually, if you pay people, like with us, you know, someone, the number of people who say to us, they don't know what to do differently. They don't know where they're going wrong. They're doing everything right. And within a week of looking at their food, you're like, here's 10 things you can do. 10, guarantee 10. Because we can go as granular as you like. And obviously, the big thing is going to be more protein and veg and sort your exercise. There's your first three. And there's going to be a few other little pieces beyond that that aren't going to make much difference. But why not look for those things? You know, why not pay your money? You know, if it's not important to you, that's fine. But we know that for a lot of people, running, fat loss, whatever it is, is important. People get a lot of pleasure from it. They get a lot of worth from it. I certainly do, you know, from the, from the running side of things. So why not invest in it? You know, if you're going to do something, do it well. 100%. So big question, Joe, not for Jim. What's next? Have What's you next? Won this no running this week. Lazy bastard. Uh, seeing the seeing the sports therapy friend on Tuesday to make a decision about next week. Uh, yeah, and then commit to. I will do two backyard ultras next year. I think maybe three. That's the plan. So I've decided. I wasn't sure whether my coach thinks that he can get me to a couple of my other running goals alongside backyard ultras. But the main thing is to is to put thirty put. Uh, to win one, I don't know, maybe next year. Do you reckon I can win one? Yeah, go well, get over 30. I can't. This is the funny thing with this stuff, you can't control it, can you? You can't. If somebody turns up who can do 60, I'm not going to win, but I can control what I'm doing. So, I guess 
I'd like to get sub over 30 on the next one and over 35 on the one after that, if it's possible. Yeah, definitely concentrate on that. Like you said, the, the controllables, you know, it's not like, right, I'm going to be... I'm not going to beat. I'm going to beat this 400 meter runtime because th- that's standardised, isn't it? Whereas, like you said, is this is who's going to turn up on the day, who's going to enter that one. That's whether you're going to win it or not, isn't it? And that's my ego, yeah. Because it is nice. It's nice to win things. It's nice to do well. But actually, that's something that I can't control. I can control how many laps that I do. So yeah, it's it's amazing that. The amount of like ego stuff, and I spoke about this with Julie that comes up when you're running of like, don't like the look of him. Hope I beat him. He looks like a bit of a knob, you know. And just like, and you're like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, what are you doing? Like, your brain is just churning out all this crap, and it's whether you listen to it, you know. Yeah. And it's and actually uh, choosing not to is the the skill I think that's that's so useful. Yeah, whether you pay attention to it or not, or give it any energy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant, mate. So, super proud of you. Thank you. Just ridiculous. You're getting like eight weeks' notice to run four marathons back to back. Having, well, I was proud of you running the first marathon. Never mind four marathons. <laughs> lunatic. But so, great cause. You've raised a ton of money. If people want to donate a pound, one pound fifty, two pounds, whatever it is. I mean, I, I, uh, what did I donate? I said I was going to give you a pound for every mile that you ran. <laughs> like you used to get on your thing it's like I'm going to do a charity uh, thing right use 50p fix I'm going to give you that 50p every length you do um, yeah where can people find that we can put the link into the the uh, description as well but give yeah absolutely so, and be on our, if you want to get the link direct if you go to our Instagram bio it's on there but it's justgiving.com slash page slash run the number four rape crisis run for rape crisis Amazing. And I'm currently 179 pounds away from the target that I set. So if you could donate, that would be absolutely fantastic. Thank you very much. And thanks to all the people that I've done so far. Everyone's reached out and said, well done. I've never had such a massive outpouring of support and congratulations. And it's been uh, been extremely satisfying for my ego, but for me as well, just to know that a lot of people care. And uh, yeah, it's just nice. It's nice to receive. So thank you to the people that have done. No, you've done an amazing thing, mate. Should be proud. Thank you. Uh, I am. I appreciate the kind words. Brilliant. Right. Thanks for listening, guys. As always, if you've got any questions about anything, literally anything, you can message us. Me and Joe are always up for chatting. We're, we're real people. This is not AI. I sometimes get that on people like, I know this is an automated message. Like, honestly, it's not. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> you can message us on Instagram or Facebook, emails, whatever. Just reach out. We're always happy to chat and uh, lend an ear. And yeah, that's it. Right. Thanks for listening. Take care, cover your hand.